If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the One Cause Church podcast with Pastor Eric Holler. Now, last week, I didn't finish with verse 31 after they had um, prayed, uh, after Peter and John, remember, had been arrested and said, okay, you're telling I mean, that the, they had a notable miracle, this man who had been born lame from his mother's womb, and now at 40 years old, he's completely healed by the power of God when Peter said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Now they've been called into question, and these religious leaders are asking, why, what power, by whose name are you doing this? So they said, this is what's going on. They preached the gospel to him, and they said, no, you know, threatened him, said, no longer are you going to preach in that name. They said, well, whether we obey God or you, really. You decide, okay? Because uh, we're, we don't know what else to do but preach in that name and declare the things which we have both seen and heard. And so they threatened them even more and they let them go. And then we come to verse 31. It says, and when they had prayed, that is when they came and shared with everybody what had happened, gave testimony to the church, they all rejoiced. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Remember, they prayed, God, Give us even more boldness. Look on their threats and give us more boldness. This is not the time to back down. This is the time to get bolder. Hallelujah. That's the spirit of God on the inside of you that helps you do that. Because your flesh wants to run and hide. Your flesh wants to shut. Your mouth wants to shut down and just not cause any problems or stir anything up. But the spirit of God won't let you stay quiet. Jeremiah said it like this. It was like a fire that was shut up in my bones. How can I, when I'm burning on the inside, not let this thing out? And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, they're all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. God answered their prayer. Verse 32. Excuse me. Of Acts chapter 4. And verse 32. It comes after 31. Now, when the multitude of those who believed were one of one heart and one soul, neither did anyone say that any, one, that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power, everybody say great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and, a, and great grace, everybody say great grace, was upon them all. Now, this is interesting. It says that they had, they didn't, claimed to own anything by themselves. What they did was they, they shared everything that they had. They were communists is what they were. All right? It was equality amongst all of them. All right? So now let me say, this is saying what they did here. All right? Sometimes the Bible tells you historical things, and sometimes the Bible tells you things that you also need to do. This is not something the Bible is telling us that we all need to do. It's just giving us a history of what they did. All right? And I'm saying that for a reason because there have been several different groups of people through the ages who've tried to live this out and found out this really is not that great of a system. And later on in the book of Acts, we'll find out that this whole thing really wasn't a perfect system. But in the beginning, what the deal was, there was so much excitement and so much love abounding in the church and so many wonderful things going on. Everybody was just like, Man, what can we do? I mean, what, I, I, you know, let's just give up our stuff and just all live in this happy, fun place together and, and see the works of God and not, let's not let anybody lack anything. Now, that's good. Well, you know, we need to help our brothers out and sisters out and sisters too. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection and great grace. Everybody say great grace. Great grace. Now, 
great grace was upon them all. I love this. Let's go to verse 34. We'll get to, back to that part. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked. For all who were possessions of, uh, possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold. And laid them at the apostles' feet, and they distributed to each one as anyone had need. Verse 36. And Joseph, who's who was also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, we know about Barnabas, and we'll read some about him uh, later on down the road, that he was Paul's companion, who they went about and preached the gospel of the Gentiles, and marvelous things happened with them. But then we go to Acts chapter 5, verse 1. But a certain man named Ananias, now this is if you're watching a movie, let's just pretend right now we're watching a movie and all of a sudden the whole, the whole mood changes and the dark music comes in. Dun, dun, dun. Right? You hear the do 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 I mean, you know, the shark's in the water and he's circling the poor lone skier out there in the water, something bad is about to happen. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold the possession. Hey, they just did what Barnabas did, right? So far. And he kept back part of the proceeds. Dun, dun, dun. There it is. His wife also being aware of it and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. Verse 3. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? Well, man, really? Peter, this is a big assumption that you're making here. Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? Because Ananias was trying to make him think he was given everything. All right? Next. While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? What he was saying, Ananias, this doesn't make any sense. You're, you're making us think that you're giving everything when you had it in your power to give us whatever you wanted to. Why would you lie about this? Why would you conspire this thing? And why would you allow the devil to come into your heart to deceive you, to make you think you can fool God? Yeah. All right, now watch. While it remained, was it not your own? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Verse 5, then Ananias, then Ananias, hearing the word, these words, fell down and breathed his last. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. Come to church, you might drop dead. All right. Verse 6, and the young men arose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. Now it was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter answered to her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yes, for so much. Then Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Then immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. And the young men came in and found her dead and carrying her out, buried her by her husband. Man, what happened to all the good times that were going on at the church? Verse 11, so great fear. Now say great fear. Great power, great grace. Great fear came upon all the church and upon all who heard these things. 
Father, thank you now for these next few moments here with my brothers and sisters tonight. And I thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Christ. God, I thank you for your anointing in this place. And I pray, God, that there would be great grace upon the hearers tonight, that we would leave here tonight with a greater understanding of the love of God, the grace of God, and the power of God. So we would leave here with much assurance, God. Leave here better than the way we came in. Leave here with greater knowledge of Christ. Leave here with deeper understanding of you and your love for us. In Jesus' name, amen. You know what's interesting about this is that when it comes to God's favor, so many people don't think that it's for them or that they'll get it. But when it comes to God's judgment, they believe that they are the number one target of it. They have no problem believing that they'll be judged. That's one of the saddest things to me. That children of God are so shaken in their faith and fearful in their relationship with God that they do not set themselves up to accept His goodness and His grace and what He's done for them. Instead, it's like there's almost this underlying terror on the inside of this looming doomsday coming their way. It got awfully quiet in here. And I'm saying that because I know, because I've been that guy. I know what it's like to be scared to death of God. Being a pastor's kid, being in church all my life, I know what it's like to be terribly afraid of him. And that came through an experience I didn't understand or somebody told me the wrong message. It was an experience I didn't understand or somebody gave me the wrong message. And those things jacked me up for a while. Now, you've heard me tell the story about when I was 10 years old and I got called to preach, a little nerdy kid with big old glasses, and I didn't want to wear those glasses anymore. So I came forward every Sunday to get prayer. And this particular Sunday, my mother announced to the pastor and all the church that she was having these nightmares about me dying, which scared the living daylights out of me. Because I was just up for prayer for my glasses. Now I'm praying for my life. So they're praying for me, right? And I'm freaking out. And I know I experienced something I've, that to this day has marked my life, and I've never been able to shake it, never been able to forget it. And that was that God touched me. I felt a physical touch on my head, and I had lots of people praying for me. It's kind of that thing when Jesus said, who touched me? And Peter said, everybody's touching you, right? But no, there was something different. Like, I felt this touch on my head, and I, I looked up at my dad, and I said, Dad, I'm supposed to preach. I mean, I knew immediately I, my whole life was marked out, and we came home that day after church, and my mom had made chicken fried steak, red peeled potatoes fresh out of my grandparents' garden, soaked in butter, Amen. right? Fresh corn on the cob, and I'm looking at one of my favorite meals in the world. I'm 10 years old, and I can't eat. All I, can, all I feel like doing is reading the Bible and praying. I don't know what else to do. I feel so weird. I feel so different. Even my mom's freaking out now. 
She's like, John, he doesn't want chicken fried steak. Something wrong with him. <laughs> ah, he's fine. Let him go do whatever he needs to do. So I'm back in my parents' bedroom, and I've got my dad's big King James Bible. Don't understand a word of it. I'm, ten, you know, thee, thou, thine, and thus. And I'm, but I don't know what else to do, except I feel like I just need to connect to God. I couldn't explain it to any of my friends. And you talk about being ostracized by big glasses. Now I'm a kid who talks to God, right? And now I'm further away from society. And I really felt like I was all alone. And there was this heaviness over my life. And I was afraid to go to sleep at night because I didn't want to experience what I experienced. It so messed me up as a kid, that experience, yet being so powerful, but yet I didn't have very much understanding about what was going on. And I was afraid the devil was going to kill me. So I was afraid to go to sleep at night. And I would lay in there and I would cry and I would, I would, I would and just wait till my dad came in there. And if he spanked me, praise God, at least he spanked. Something was going on. I wasn't dying. That was all that mattered. And so, you know, my parents tried to help me walk through that. But there was this thing on the inside of me, this fear that had taken root alongside that amazing experience. And so even though I knew I was called of God and I loved him, but I was yet, there was something about him that made me really scared. And because I felt like, I felt like that I was out of control. You know when you don't, you know what that's like? You know what that's like? Like, you know, when your leg goes to sleep or your arm goes to sleep, right? That's not a feeling you like, right? When you feel it, you can't move it and you're like, you know, I've stood up many times on a dead leg before and just fallen right over, you know, like, what the heck was that? Maybe I need help. But all I'm saying is, is that it messed me up. And I, I spent several years dealing with that fear because I had a misconception of God. And I was, I was kind of putting him and the devil kind of in the same place. And, and I didn't realize it for many years. I, I, did, I, I really didn't realize what was going on. Um, and so it took me a long time for me just being in the Word and, and being in church and, and all those things that I began to work some things out. And I realized that God was helping me that day, not hurting me. And my misconception of it, I, I, I remember coming to the place where I just said, God, I re, I'm sorry. I misunderstood you. And this, this great and powerful and wonderful experience um, also had this darkness about it. But now that I see what God was doing, I see that he was actually protecting me because he knew what a knucklehead I was. And he knew if he didn't get me early, then I probably wouldn't get God. <laughs> so he was protecting me in that so that I would never stray too far. And even when I tried to stray, I couldn't get over that moment when I knew God marked me. I don't even remember the day I got saved, really. I barely remember. I don't even remember the day I got baptized in the Spirit and started speaking in tongues. I don't even, I, did, I think I did that coming out of the womb. I don't know. It's just always been in my life. But that day was different. I remember that day. I remember it was, it was a landmark moment in my life. I'm saying that because here the church, great fear falls on the church, but that's the wrong response here. Because the great fear needs to come upon the deceivers, not the church. These people, there's a very good chance they're not even believers. Now, I want you to watch something. We're going to walk through this a little bit. Are you all right? 
Because it's, it's human nature for us. We're, it's, we're naturally negative. And so, when, especially when it comes to the things of God, our flesh just doesn't like it. Right? We have to continually bring this body under subjection. It's called self-control. Two of our favorite words. Commitment, discipline, self-control. Christians love those words. <laughs> the church was blessed. Great grace was upon them. I don't want you to know, know one lacked anything. So if great grace was upon them, that tells us something about their state at that time. That they had to have been living by faith in order to have great grace. Look, turn over to Romans for just a moment. Do you know that you cannot receive grace apart from faith? I'm going to say that again. You cannot receive grace apart from faith. You can't separate the two. They, they work hand in glove. They, they, they're they're first cousins, if you will. First, uh, Romans 4, and I'm going to give some insight on this. Verse 14, for if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void, and the promise made of no effect. What that's teaching us is that you're not an heir just because you're born a Jew or because you do good, but you're only by faith made an heir because you believe. Now watch. Verse 15, because the law brings about wrath. We're going to mark that right there. We're going to come back to that. The law brings about wrath for where there is no law, there is no transgression. That's why my father says that his grandchildren are perfect in every way. Because in his house, there are no rules. In his house, there's no rules. So how can they mess up when there's no rules? Now, I want you to get an understanding of God here. He says there's no rules, there's no sin. If there's no rules, there's no sin. If there's no law, there's no transgression. Quite the opposite of how we many times think. That if I can just do my to-do list, then I'll be a darn good Christian. When God says, no, no, apart from the law, apart from your to-do list, what you should do and what you shouldn't do, there's no sin. Yes. See, everything has changed. The law is the strength or the power to sin, the Scripture teaches us. Romans 8, 3 says, what the law of God could not do, and that it was weak in the flesh. Okay, <laughs> if God's law is weak in the flesh, what laws can I make up that are any better than that? Yep. Right? But God did by sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and he, condemning sin in the he condemned sin in the flesh. Hallelujah. And now, because of him, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. This is powerful. It's grace that causes you to exceed a life of sin. The law keeps you under it. Now watch. It keeps you under, it's, there's wrath. Therefore, it is of faith. Verse 16, this is great. Therefore, it is of faith. Everybody say that. It is of faith. That it might be according to grace. So it cannot be according to grace unless it is of faith. So that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. So the way you receive God's grace in the very beginning was simply by faith. And the way that you stand in grace is simply by faith. We walk. By faith, therefore, we stand in grace. 
Romans chapter 5, verse 1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. I love that word peace. It's the Greek word erene. It means the end to the rage and havoc of war. The war between heaven and earth was over. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 2 says, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. All right? Say it's by faith so that it can be by grace. It's by faith so that it can be according to grace, I should say. Right? So they had great grace upon them because, I mean, they were, they were, willing to do anything. I mean, they were putting all their trust in God and what all was going on. This is the very beginning stages of the, of the church. It's really beautiful. Now, let's go down to, uh, here's the deal. Ananias and Sapphira, we're going to go over to Ephesians chapter 2 in just a moment. The, Ananias and Sapphira were, were unbelievers or outsiders trying to have a reputation among believers. See, God knows who the believers are and he knows who the unbelievers are because God looks at the heart. At the end of the day, you can't fool him. That's what Peter was saying. You haven't lied to men, you lied to God. So I, I want to give a warning to anybody, I don't think it's anybody here, but I'm just going to say it just for the recording's sake. Anybody that's here that is out to deceive the church or the people of God, you need to be the one that is afraid. You need to be the one who is Afraid. Because anyone that is coming against God's church is coming against him. And he takes it personal. Don't forget when Jesus said to Saul, why are you persecuting me? Well, Saul hadn't touched Jesus. Yeah, he had because he touched his church. As far as believers are concerned, judgment has been passed. Judgment is over. God judged Jesus for what we did. And it would be unjust for him to judge us what he already judged Jesus for. He can't blame you too if he blamed Jesus. Come on. Think about that. Just say that with me. He can't blame me because he blamed Jesus. And I accepted what Jesus did for me. So I'm free. Now, let's look over at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. Stay with me. Verse 1, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Wow. So this, we who were dead in sins, we couldn't revive ourselves, so Jesus made us alive. All right? In which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. All right? The sons of disobedience are those who are controlled by the prince of the power of the air. They're controlled by the devil and all of his power. All right? Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of what? Wrath. wrath. The law brings about what? Wrath. Children of wrath, just as the others. All right? So anybody that is outside of the family of God are sons of disobedience and children of wrath. 
All right? Ephesians chapter 5. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Say this with me. That's not me. Have you ever disobeyed God? Have you ever disobeyed God? Have you ever disobeyed God as a child of God? Did that make you a son of disobedience? It's not a trick question. You're only a son of disobedience if you are controlled by the prince of the power of the air and are unbelieving. But now, Paul says, you once conducted yourselves that way because you couldn't help it. Because that was your nature. You were dead in your trespasses. But now you have accepted that Jesus Christ made you alive. So now you're not a children of wrath. You're not a son of disobedience. You are a child of the living God. All right? But however, Ananias and Sapphira were subjected then to the wrath of God, not to the favor and great grace of God. But what they were trying to do was receive grace without believing. Great grace was upon the church, so they wanted a piece of that great grace, so they thought that they could buy their way into it, or they thought they could cheat their way into it, or they thought they could deceive their way into it, but they found out it don't work like that. It doesn't work like that. You can't buy grace. You can't sort of get grace. They wanted grace, but they also wanted to be able to have the power to live by their own means as well. So they gave part of it and they kept back some of it, not because, not because they, sh they shouldn't have. I mean, they definitely, like Peter said, you could have done with whatever you wanted to, but you're trying to make us think you're giving everything when you kept back part of it. Right? So what they are a picture of those who tell us that, oh yeah, salvation is free, but your works are what keep you in right relationship with God. They are giving the message of Ananias and Sapphira. That, oh yeah, it's one you can be a partaker of it, but you've got a big part to play in making sure. And I talked to a guy some time ago, and bless his heart, I'm He's one of many people who believe this way, and it, it was very sad to me because he's part of a really great ministry that we have supported over the years, and uh, they do audio Bibles, and we've done different projects with them, and I think what they're doing is wonderful. But I was talking to him on a personal note, and he said, and I was, we were just talking about the goodness of God. He said, you know, Pastor Eric, he goes, but just in case, every night, I make sure, just before I go to sleep, I just make sure with God that everything's okay, just in case. Just in case what? Just in case Jesus didn't do what he said he did? Just in case his blood didn't cleanse you from all unrighteousness? But see, his denomination has taught him that if he doesn't have all of his sins confessed, that if he dies, he'll die in sin and he won't go to heaven. So he's bound to this, I've got to do something to maintain what has freely been given to me. What kind of sickness and perversion is that to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? As if he needs my help. I was dead in sin and he, with me in that state, made me alive. <laughs> and how I received that was by, I believe that. And God said, that's all I need from you. Thank you. Here you go. 
That's the good. See, that's why the gospel is called the good news. You ever had good news before and then found out it wasn't all that great of news? <laughs> then you read the fine print, right? We got all these good things, but then all these conditions that you, that you have to meet, right? Anybody ever do a timeshare thing? <sighs> Man, you talk about <laughs> reeling you in. And it, well, you, you can go to Disney World, but you got to go to six hours of meetings every day and listen to us try to sell you a condominium, right? It's like, are you kidding me? Right? Because they're, they're, it's good news, sort of. And that's what the church has been duped to believe. It's good news, sort of. Instead of believing the simple gospel, Christ died for our sins. <laughs> that message never gets old to me. And he was buried, and he rose again three days later. And if I believe in him, I'll receive everlasting life. <laughs> How can God be that good? I don't know, but I sure am glad he is. Ananias and Sapphira shining example of a dead life. <laughs> dead life. Mixing law and grace. And you cannot do either one of those things. It's either law or it's grace, but it ain't both. As Dr. Holler says, how much urine do you want in your drinking water? I'm just quoting my dad. Psalm chapter 23, verse 4, you don't have to go there. I'm just going to read the latter part of it. He says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now let me just make a distinction between those two things for a moment. The shepherd never used the rod on the sheep. Ever. The shepherd never beat the sheep with the rod. The rod was for the wolf. The rod was for the predator. The staff was for the sheep. And the staff went up like this, and it had a little crook in the top. And that was to guide the sheep. As they're going along and a sheep began to wander, he would take that crook, that staff, and well, get back in line. Just keep him, keep him corrected, but not beat him. That rod was for the enemy. All right? What the deal was, the rod came out on Ananias and Sapphira, the wolves who were trying to get into the sheepfold, and God wouldn't have any of it. You mess with the church, you mess with God. Trying to enjoy the benefits of grace apart from faith. Is death. And I'll finish with this scripture. Galatians chapter 1. Hope this has blessed you tonight. We had to memorize this scripture, Acts chapter 5, the Ananias and Sapphira story. One, one, when I was in Christian school, we were growing up, we had to, um, we had to do a monthly scripture, and we had to memorize that scripture. Scared the dog out of all of us kids. Why would they make us memorize that story? Still bothers me that they made us. <laughs> yeah. 
just wanted to scare all of us. I've looked at this story a lot because it's kind of interesting, and if you don't see it for what it is, you'll, it'll confuse you. Just like other scriptures that say, if we confess our sin, if we say we have no sin, we lie and the truth is not in us. That's 1 John chapter 1, verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we're lying and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Two chapters later, John says, whoever sins is of the devil. Because whatever's born of God does not sin. As a matter of fact, his seed remains in him so that he cannot sin. Oh, God, what do you mean, what do you mean by that? One place you tell me if we say I don't have any sin, then I'm a liar. Then you say if I'm born of God, I can't sin. Which is it, John? And if you just read that on the surface like that, it can be very confusing. But until you begin to read slowly and begin to really slow down the Scriptures to understand them, Jesus said he who has ears to hear, he says whatever is born of God does not sin. Is this born of God right here? Oh, it's beautiful. But this isn't born of God. This is born of Karen Cook. But her spirit is born of God. Therefore, it's impossible for your spirit to sin because his seed remains in your spirit. Therefore, you cannot sin. But here in the flesh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. In the next two hours, just find out if your, if your flesh don't want to sin. All right? It wants to sin. It loves to sin. It's going to want to say things. You might have said them on the way to church tonight or been tempted to. Let me say, I know none of you ever do, but other people that go to other churches, they just say whatever they want. Right? I'm saying that you, your tongue wants to say things. It don't want to say nice things. And the Bible says, let all filthiness be, get out of your mouth. <laughs> right? Don't complain. <laughs> Done that today, twice. You know, so, I mean, your flesh just wants to. I'm, I'm saying that because that's where it's in. Paul said it's in the members of my body. In, in uh, Romans chapter 7, he says it's in my flesh. That is in my flesh. It, that's where the sin is. So I find a law, evil's present with me, the one who wants to do good. So I've got to make this flesh obey the inward man, all right? The one that's untainted by sin. Amen. Galatians 1, let's finish this. But verse 8, but even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be Accursed. Now, that's a big word, that word accursed. I want to just give you a couple of definitions from the Greek on that. It means concretely excommunicated. Concretely excommunicated. Or a person or thing doomed to destruction. How serious is God about his message and his church? And that we keep this stuff right. And that we really keep it about him. And not we ourselves. He says, if anybody, he says, if I come back to, if I, if I come back and I tell, try to tell you something else, let me be concretely excommunicated and doomed to destruction. If an angel from heaven were to come and tell you anything other than what I have taught you, let him be doomed to destruction. How serious is this language, ladies and gentlemen? 
And I love that he said that because there is a certain cult out there that claims that an angel came to a young man named Joseph Smith years and years ago to teach him another testament of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I had a couple ladies in my house. I didn't know that they had girl missionaries, but they had a couple of them came over to my house. Do you remember that? And they came in and I said, and I took them right there to Galatians 1. I said, this says, now you're telling me this is another testament of Jesus? Uh Uh-huh. I said, let's look at this. But even if we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel, you would, we preach, let him be accursed. Now, you're going to have to answer that before we go any further. Your whole religion is based on an angel bringing another message of Jesus. When Paul said, let that being or whatever be accursed. How can you expect me to stand there and listen to you? You're preaching an accursed message. All right. As we have said before, now watch. So now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. So just in case I didn't make it clear the first time, if anyone preaches any other gospel, then Christ died for your sins, Christ was buried, Christ rose again from the dead, let him be accursed. God is good. And he has good news. He really expects us to fully trust in, cling to, and rely on him and him alone for salvation. And you know what? You get your eyes full of Jesus and his gospel, the weights and the sins go falling off. Hebrews chapter 12 says, seeing that we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easy besets us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Let's stand together. Lord, we're here tonight by your grace. We're here tonight because, Lord, we believe your gospel. We believe that Jesus is the one who has made us who we are today, who has made us right with God, who has made us a whole new creation in Christ. Because of him, we've been born all over again. And now here he is, our big brother, our elder brother, our high priest, our Lord and King, seated at the right hand of God tonight. And Lord, I love what your scripture says, that he is our high priest of the good things to come. God, may those who are here tonight who have been fearful of the future and fearful of what's ahead concerning you, that they would please look to Jesus tonight and understand that he's ensuring that good things are coming our way. Oh, God, I just declare freedom from fear tonight. In Jesus' name, freedom, God, from those who who sense a looming darkness ahead. God, that that lie would just be dispersed by the light of your gospel, by the light of your truth, that you are good and you are good always, and that you have accepted us in Jesus. You have loved us with an everlasting love. Before we were ever even here, God, you already loved us. And God, you will always love us, and you will, through the ages to come, Show us the exceeding riches of your grace. God, help your people to run the race that is set before them with endurance, God. Not letting anything holding them back as their eyes are looking unto him, the captain of our salvation, 
the Lord of all glory, who is on our side tonight. Thank you, Jesus, for your blood that has brought us near. We were in darkness. We weren't even looking for you. So many of us had our fists raised at heaven. We didn't want anything to do with God, but you demonstrated your love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Thank you for that. Thank you for the new life that we have in you. Thank you for the abundant life that we have through Jesus Christ. And I thank you that the enemy is defeated and all of his power has been unraveled and rendered useless. I thank you that your people go here from here tonight free and free indeed. That you give your angels charge over them to keep them in all their ways. And the blood of Jesus cleanses them and covers their lives. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We want to invite you to join us in service Sundays at 9.30 or 11 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Go to onecausechurch.com for location and events. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at One Cause Church. If you would like to partner with our ministry, you can now donate securely online. Just click on the link located on the front page of our website at onecausechurch.com.